0: You'll get a 20% discount on your first order when you sign up for emails this week at boncur.net. That's B-O-N-C-O-E-U-R dot net. And use the code BONECURCITYCAST20. Today on CityCast Portland, filmmaker TJ Regan thinks he might have solved one of the greatest Pacific Northwest mysteries of all time. And for those of you who don't know the story, let me loop you in. In 1971, a man boarded a plane from PDX to Seattle. During the flight, he commandeered the aircraft with an alleged bomb. Upon landing, he released all the passengers, but kept the crew, and he demanded a ransom, equivalent to over a million dollars today, and also several parachutes. His intent was to fly to Mexico, But that's not what happened. Soon after taking off from Seattle, the hijacker opened the plane's rear door and parachuted into the night with the money, never to be seen again. But now T.J. Regan thinks he found him. And in his documentary, I Am D.B. Cooper, he joins him on a treasure hunt looking for the remaining ransom money. It's Monday, February 27th, 2023. I'm Claudia Meza, and this is what Portland's talking about. What makes you so sure that you found the right guy? Like, one of the interesting things about your film is not just how much you guys believed him, but how eager everyone was to believe him, if that makes sense. Like, it was like someone saying... Santa Claus does exist, and everyone's like, we knew it.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah,
0: like we want to play you a clip of, I believe, I don't know if it was your sound guy or your camera guy, it might've been your camera guy, just having that feeling after meeting him. Like the stuff that he's talking about is so detailed. He's like Jesus, he's either a psychopath,
1: liar, narcissist, or it's true, it's crazy. What is your, what are you thinking right now? What are you thinking? Honestly, after that, after that, I'm kind of convinced. It would just, he would be going to such great lengths. All for like a lie, which again is possible,
0: but I'm starting to, I'm starting to be convinced why is everyone so dead set on believing this guy? I mean, it was just, he was, he had all the right answers. Was that, was that it?
1: Yeah. I mean, he had all the right answers. Like I said, every reason that he had was very plausible. I didn't know much about D.B. Cooper. So when I found out that we might be doing this, I immediately started, you know, um, brushing up the facts and watching some documentaries online and reading case evidence and all of that. So my plan was let's, bring this guy down there and go try to find this money, right?
0: Mm -hmm. And can you explain the money, what the money is to people who don't, who maybe not know the lore?
1: Yes. So in 1971, a man named Dan Cooper boarded an airplane from Portland to Seattle and then ransomed the airplane for $200,000. 20, 30 minutes into the flight, the myth goes that he lowered the back staircase and jumped out of the airplane never to be seen again. And he knew, and
0: he knew like everything about this plane. He knew, like, that's what everybody was blown up. Like, how did he know that that was the kind of plane that you could jump out of, you know? Yes,
1: yes, exactly. So, our bounty hunters, the guy, they're my friends, they found this man, and he says, I I obviously survived because I'm here, and I buried uh, the money off the Columbia River, uh, a quarter mile up from where they found money on Tina Barr. So, Tina Barr is a well-known area because in the early 80s, a father and son, they found $5,800 of D.B. Cooper's money. All the serial numbers matched. Rodney Bonifield comes to us and says, I am D.B. Cooper. I buried the money a quarter mile up for where they found that $5,800. So, the plan as a team was to go down and help him find this money.
0: Right. Um, what do you think about this lore? It was it's the only unsolved case of, like, air piracy in the history of commercial aviation. So I know, yes. like, that's one bit. Like, he fought mm-hmm. the law and he won. I mean, we mm-hmm. think. Um, mm-hmm. But what is it? What do you think about D.B. Cooper makes him such a good Pacific Northwest folk antihero?
1: Yeah. And I think that even when you said, like, the only unsolved air piracy in all of the mm-hmm. world... I think more what makes him a legend, you know, worldwide or or in the United States or speaking of him as this, you know, this myth. It is because he was able to get away and do things in a way that he wasn't able. He he didn't harm anyone. He got away with the money. He you know, he kind of stuck it to the man in a sense. uh, And he was
0: polite. Remember, everyone was like and he was so polite. Everyone was charmed by him.
1: Yes, exactly. And they were charmed by him. Even the, you know, the stewardess, you know, I think she might have said that he was cute or something like that, you know? So it was very much like this, this, this thing that happened and was never solved. And I think that's why it's such a great myth is, uh, or such a great moment in history because he did it without harming anyone and he was able to stick it to the man, you know?
0: So <laughs> I, I, I said a little bit about this, but he's, he's a hero. Everyone has an idea of him. Who he is, I have some criticisms. I'm sorry. I saw your Please. movie, and we just said this. This guy is polite. He's suave. Your guy, and I mean no no disrespect to you know Mr. Bonfield. Uh, you kind of made him look like an asshole. Like he, <laughs> I feel like your DB Cooper was not a cool guy. And I'm curious what your idea of DB Cooper was before and after you know, meeting yeah. your your suspect, yeah.
1: My idea of D.B. Cooper beforehand, you know, D.B. Cooper was this Jason Bourne, James Bond type of character, you know, suave and, and all of that. But then as I started investigating with him, it really switched to, wow, this really could be him because like you said, I made him look like an asshole. I don't necessarily think I made him look like an asshole. I think that he made himself
0: probably no, look of course, like an asshole of <laughs> uh, no of course let's let's yes, rewind bec- tj you just presented a man and that yes. man had asshole like uh and, characteristics. And, for, yes. and
1: for him to be a lifelong criminal obviously he had to be an asshole i mean in the film he talks about how he he was on 20 or 30 armed robberies you know i mean nobody's yeah. a good person that does that but once you feel it with his reasoning right yeah. and why he did it first of all, there's a discrepancy in age. He would have been really young when he did this. And they said he was like 30 to 40 years old. Right. Right. So I asked him why, you know, why? Well, he was up for four days straight on meth, pretty much on speed. And he hadn't slept. And he actually showed us a picture of him when he was 20. And he had a receding hairline. Um, The other thing is, is that like I said before, he had an answer to everything, and when he really gave his reason, which his reason was that he was heartbroken, his his girl had left him. He was high on drugs, and he was trying to get her back in a very malicious, um, maniacal type of way.
0: I don't understand and, how that connects to his girlfriend getting back his girlfriend by hijacking a plane and then successfully getting away with money that he never used.
1: Yes, yeah, so that he his, hid. That he hid. So. <laughs> This is what makes it. This is what makes it so interesting. So what his story was, is that he was going down. He knew that she was shopping in Portland. Right. Because, you know, people in Washington, they go down and shop in Portland, Oregon. because no They save on yeah. taxes. Yes. Yeah. So he went down to try to try to get her. Right. Uh, and he went down to pretty much take her hostage. He built a bomb and he was going to go take his girlfriend's his girlfriend hostage. Not my Debbie Cooper yeah not your db cooper but <laughs> go on. this one
0: Come <laughs> on come <go> on
1: <laughs> yeah so he uh he, he did that because he knew that his girl was seeing another man he found out that she had already left the mall so he wanted to beat her back to seattle because he knew that she had already left so he boarded the airplane from portland to seattle to beat her there and while he was on the plane he knew that he already had the bomb, so he said, you know what? I already have this. This isn't going to be – I'm not going to take her hostage anymore. I'm going to take the plane, get $200,000, and flee the country. That was pretty much his reasoning. Um, I'm sorry. And
0: just, I'm going to pause you there for a sec because yeah. that is the most ridiculous plan B I've ever heard. You know when you're <laughs> just like, I'm going to go to a restaurant and it's closed, and you're like, now you know what? I'm hungry. I'm going to make one. I'm going to start a restaurant.
1: Anything is possible okay. if you're up you're right. for four days on <laughs> okay. methamphetamine.
0: Case you're, you're, you know,
1: yeah, no. people do crazy things. And, and, and I think that if it if it is true and if this is what he did do, it is plausible. It could happen.
0: Also, what is like n- more northwest than like meth?
1: Yes, exactly. There you go. A drug induced stupor.
0: Okay, let's take a break here. And when we come back, TJ is going to share the big pieces of evidence that link his guy to DB Cooper. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. So you did a ton of research on D.B. Cooper to make this movie, obviously, Mm -hmm. but... What details about the hijacking, like what new things in your research did you find that you hadn't heard before that you think most people haven't heard?
1: The two pieces of solid evidence that really brought us to think that it could possibly be him. One is that um, in recent discoveries, they had found a certain type of titanium alloy on his tie that would only be done by an engineer or somebody that worked at Boeing, right? I asked Rodney, why were you wearing a suit, and where did you get the suit from? He said, I got it from my father, right? Back in the day, people used to wear suits to go work at Boeing, and we did our fact-checking. Rodney's father worked at Boeing in the area that he might be able to have gotten some of those particles on his tie, right?
0: Oh, well, okay, Okay. so here's the deal. Yes. The, the son of someone who works at Boeing, what, was, what did his dad do in Boeing?
1: his dad worked in the engineering department of Boeing.
0: So he would so you're saying that the son might also because his father is an engineer of planes would have knowledge of how this plane would work.
1: No, 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 no. So that would be the yeah. second part is that okay, go on. the reason why Rodney knew about the airplane is because he had this friend named Roger Gackle. Roger Gackle's father worked on airplanes as well, and he was a flight controller. And we have confirmed that there is a man named Gackle that worked as a flight controller. So Rodney's friend Roger brought him to his dad's work, and his dad showed him all of the inner workings of the airplane and how it worked. So, so that's that was his how, story.
0: That was his that, story. That
1: was his story of okay. how he knew about the airplane, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So again, he's just saying these stories using these names, and these names are checking out for us, mm-hmm. okay?
0: So yeah. I, I I brought you on TJ because <laughs> I'm kind of a big DB Cooper nerd, and and I like was just yelling at your documentary, but in a good way. Do you know what I mean? Like I was just like, "What are you ma-? You know. Um, so there's been some speculation. I'm sure you saw this too. That the re- a, a big reason that DB Cooper wasn't found, if he is alive, is that they've been looking for a white guy, and that he wasn't actually he might have not been white if that makes sense but according to you know some didacted fbi file from like some db cooper heads the woman was like he was swarthy he was and also like the description is olive skin and Mm -hmm. rodney is pink what do you think about like what do you think about those theories or that theory in particular that that maybe this dude might have been indigenous to the area like quite literally Or not a white guy? What do you think?
1: I I mean, I think that what you're saying is very plausible. I think the one thing that I do have to just say or address is the fact that I'm telling the story of my D.B. Cooper. I'm telling the story of Rodney Bonifield's story. Mm -hmm. Whether or not it's true or not, I'm telling the story of a man who has been claiming to be D.B. Cooper since 1971. Because they could... The FBI could watch my film tomorrow or they've already seen it and completely chalk him off the list because, like you said, you're yelling at the screen saying, this is this is crazy. And it is, you know, that I, I completely agree with you as well. It's a,
0: it's a good ride, though. OK, after all this, do you still believe him? Do you believe Rodney after spending that much time uh, with him? Do you still believe that he is your D.B. Cooper?
1: so I have a uh, classic answer to this because obviously that's a main question. I would not bet my life that it is Rodney Bonifield. I would also not bet my life that it's not.
0: <laughs> so, God dang, TJ.
1: Even <laughs> hanging out with this man for multiple days, being around him, going to this location, you know, him spewing all his bullshit, you know, because <laughs> there was a lot of bullshit. in the In the film, you'll see it as well as, you'll see it, you, there's stuff we didn't put in there but i still i still wouldn't be able to say that it's that it's not him i can't i i wouldn't all of us guys had this you know bullshit meter that would go up and down so there would be times we're looking at each other like wow this guy really duped us we started calling him dv duper you know <laughs> we're like This guy really duped us, but then it would go back up with certain facts and things that were happening. So it was a very much a, just a a kind of a roller coaster of a ride, but regardless, this old man, like really put it in our minds of 10 guys that thought that they were somewhat intelligent, you know, to take him all the way down 200 miles down to the Columbia river and try to dig up his money. So,
0: right. Do you remember that? Uh, Seen in your movie, and I believe it was it was Rodney's recounting of like the first time he told someone, which was of course to impress a woman, and he yes. was in a bar, and then the news came on. It was like seventy one, and this woman out loud was just like, "Oh, you know, DB Cooper, you know," and she was like, "Do you think he's out there just like sipping on, you know, a pina colada a on pina the, beach colada, the beach, just with his money?" And he was just like, "Yeah," or he could be right next to you. Uh huh. So I'm asking you, do you think that maybe D.B. Cooper could be talking to you right now, TJ? Could it be me reincarnated? <sighs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: What do you think? Yeah,
1: I, I think it's possible. Uh, you
0: went, it went a little too high, TJ. Your, your yeah went, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I mean, No, hey. no, <laughs> no. Okay, so that's out. That theory's out. Fine. Mm-hmm. Fine. Mm-hmm. I just want you to say it once, just out loud. Oh, no, no.
1: I, I, I do not think you're D.B. Cooper, no.
0: Well, yeah, I I think
1: that if you were reincarnated, let's just say that he did pass away after he jumped out of the plane and drowned in the river. If he was reincarnated into you, then, I mean, then that obviously shows that he was a good man because he was reincarnated into someone so wonderful like yourself. So, I mean, obviously, obviously, he
0: he did the right thing. (laughs) And now for your micro dose of news. Two of Portland's most iconic hotels are changing ownership. Maryland-based Pebble Brook Hotel Trust signed a $45 million sales agreement to offload the historic Heathman Hotel last Wednesday. They also put the nines up for sale the following day. It's almost like there's some major disruption coming to the hotel market in Portland. Oh yeah, the Ritz Carlton. And Portland State University announced an expansion of its free tuition programs last week. The university already covered the costs for many full-time Oregon students who met certain income requirements. Now part-time students will be eligible too. For even more Portland news and events, sign up for our daily newsletter, Hey Portland. We'll throw a link in the show notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Portland. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more from around the city. Until then, see you at Slim's.